Welcome to my Soul Life podcast and our Soul Life conversations. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and in these episodes, I'll be here supporting and guiding you as we open up and explore who we truly are to live our soul life now. See you inside. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have something super special for you, and it's the first on my podcast. So I'd love to know if you'd like more of these types of episodes. What we're going to, what you're going to hear today is me, Susan, being a guest on the amazing Christine Bongiovanni's Awaken You in Your Marriage podcast. Christine was a guest on my podcast, and you can head back to episode 202 to hear her story through disordered eating and challenges in her marriage to now living her best life and helping other women improve their marriage within their marriage. What Christine's doing really resonated with me because through my postnatal depression, I knew my marriage had been impacted too. And whilst I couldn't focus on my marriage because that was outside of me, so to speak, I could focus on myself and hope that by doing the work on me, my marriage would be saved too. Kind of like saving two birds with one stone, so to speak. Taking time for me, doing all the things that lit me up, meant my marriage got better. And my marriage is truly the best it's ever been right now. And it's getting better every day, literally. This is something we don't hear people talk about. The fact that a marriage and a relationship can get better and better. And when I shared this with some colleagues recently... One of them nodded at me and they knew what I was talking about. And the other one said, oh, that's so great to hear. So I knew that we needed to talk about it. And when Christine approached me, I was all in. What's even more special is me sharing a few things with Christine through my podcast catch up and podcasting together on my podcast. Christine, I inspired Christine to create her marriage success stories on her Awaken You in Your Your Marriage podcast, which means my story is the first of many to come. And I'd encourage you to go over and subscribe to her podcast, just like I have, so we can all level up ourselves within our marriages and create even more amazing love stories. And guess what? The benefit of doing that is that we get to inspire other people and we get to inspire our children as well. And what a beautiful gift that is. What I also want to share is the power of conversations and how they can inspire others. I feel like Christine and I have been a bouncing ball for inspiration lately. So who can you have a conversation with today and inspire? Enjoy this episode and I'd love to hear what you've taken away from it and so would Indie by the sound of things. So head over to my website, susanscollin.com or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast and tell me everything. Have fun with one, this one and I'll see you inside. So welcome to the show, Susan. <laughs> Thank you, Christine. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. It's amazing to be here and I'm so honoured that our conversation inspired these opportunities to have deeper conversations with people who will inspire your audience. So yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's so good. I'm excited to start this journey. I've been asking people. And so some are saying they're not ready to share their journey, which is totally fine, right? It is a journey and um, some are willing to share and some aren't or some aren't ready. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. So yeah. 
It does take time for sure. And for some of us, it's not something we want to do. We, we're not interested. Correct. To start off, I want to ask a fun question. I want to ask what your favorite pastime or that thing that you do to regenerate and rest your mind, what that thing is. This is such a great question. So it's called snooze time. And what that is, is once upon a time, and I'm still a great sleeper, so I got the nickname of snooze because I'm Susan, so that was just a natural thing. Anyway, um, fast forward through the years, anytime I need some downtime, it's called snooze time. So I will just go and whether I have a sleep or whether I just have some out time or whatever that might be, but just have a break from everything that's going on. And it might last for five minutes. It might last for an hour. Again, in terms of family life, you just got to do what you can do. But that's, that's exactly what it is. It's called snooze time and just having that time out for myself. So it's fun, but it's regenerated at the same time. I so love that because I wasn't really, I, I lie. Okay. So in my business as a trainer, I felt like I worked around the clock and a single parent and I would literally, if I was like doing what I would call outside sessions, going to people's homes or I would literally push back my car when I got, push back the seat in my car when I got there and like, I'd have like two minutes or five minutes and I'd be out. And it, it is so regenerating. And I actually remember speaking to a friend of mine who is kind of like my mom. She's sort of just this sweet woman. And I was telling her about this and she's like, aren't you afraid you're not going to wake up? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just wake up when my body is ready. Sometimes it's like an hour later and that just tells me I really needed it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's just closing the bedroom door and just having that quiet space in there from everything else that's going on. And like you said, your body will tell you when you're ready or it's just that mindset shift when you've had that physical change and you go, okay, now I can go back out Mm -hmm. or now I can be me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's really important in in any environment. So good. That's so good. I'm going to just, we're going to get into this, but I'm just going to share an example that like plays off of what you said today. I was creating two different worksheets, uh, one for uh, a podcast actually, and another one for a program that I'm in. I did a 15 minute workout in between those two because I was like, oh my gosh, my brain cannot go into the second one. Yeah, It's giving some separation and then I was ready. So yeah, that a nap would have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, a nap's an option, isn't it? Right. And just to piggyback off what you just said, yesterday I was working on something and it was very data entry kind of based and I had to send out a certain number of emails. So there were 20 or 30 emails that I had to send out individually. Couldn't do them as a group. Mm -hmm. And I just went, I'm not really, I start to get a little bit messy Mm -hmm. um, after maybe the first five to 10. So Mm -hmm. I batched them. And then after each group, I got up and did something. And so the first one I went and got on my runners and I didn't, my intention was to get on the exercise bike. I never made it to that point, but I put the ex, put the runners on. I felt better. Right. And the next one was to follow up on a phone call, like the next break to book in an appointment that I need to do. So just taking that time. And then one of the times I actually jumped up and just danced around. Yes. Like 
just really simple stuff. Yeah. But it just changed my energy, got back in, did the next, you know, sort of eight emails that I had to send, then took another break. And it was a much cleaner process than if I had sat there and just done it. That right there could be enough to help the audience with their life, right? Absolutely. So we're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So let's get into your story. I would love for you to share a bit of your um, journey while staying focused mostly on the the impact of your journey and your marital journey to where you are now. And the reason this came up, actually, that I even knew about it is because when we initially had a conversation about me being a guest on your podcast, you mentioned a little bit about your story. It was more focused on me, but you mentioned a little bit about your story and some of the stuff that you're going to share here, the work that you did to take care of yourself. So yeah, I'd Mm. love it if you would share with everybody a little bit of that story. Absolutely. I'd love to. And if there's anything that I missed from that original chat, just bring remind me and I'll come back to it. Mm. So no problems there. My husband and I have been together for 15 years and we married in 2010. Our journey was he already had three boys and so he didn't necessarily need to have another child. He was open to it and he's a fantastic dad. Um, But the decision around that, are we going to have another child or not, or uh, am I going to have a child at all, was really up to me. And if I just step back to the early days of our relationship, he said to me, he because he was coming out of a or had come out of a marriage um, of 19 years, and he said to me, "I'm no, never getting married again, and I'm never having an, uh, never having any more children." Now, spoiler alert: we did both things, which I've probably already mentioned, but <laughs> we were then, um, you know, like I said to him, "I don't want anything to be off the table." I'd never been married, never had a child, so I, I wanted to keep those doors open. So move into the end of 2010 and I say to him, I would like to have a child. And how Chris would describe this for anybody else or for me even, we would be sitting in a cafe and he knew I loved to travel and he would get a napkin out. Anytime we would talk children, he would get a napkin out, draw the world, so a circle, and then the pen would fly around the circle indicating this is Sue's without children and then the moment Sue's has children, the pen stops dead somewhere on that world (laughs) and I it was all or nothing like Mm. it was either you can travel or you can't travel and I said to him well why can't we have both and I've always been a let's include it like why why does it have to be separated anyway fast forward um, three rounds of IVF uh, which we did together and were collaborative in the whole process It, it was really beautiful and the third round we fell well we got pregnant first round but lost that child And then um, the third round, we got pregnant again and Teddy was born. So in the November of um, 2013, all, you know, there were some challenges, but there weren't any problems. Like it was just normal sort of pregnancy, but whatever, when I say that, there were were some challenges, but we did it together. Anyway, so Teddy's born. I'm, I said at the beginning of the episode that I love to sleep I knew that was going to be a problem, but we try to, you try to manage it. And pretty much within a month, I knew that something wasn't right. I wasn't right. We get heading into Christmas. I'm fighting with him about money, which I didn't need to fight with him about, but that's a low-hanging fruit for me. 
um, anything sort of financial comes up, that's a worry for me uh, or a trigger for me. And then fast forward through until the May, um, I've had mastitis issues. I've ended up having to have surgery for the mastitis. I've had um, people telling me that my, my son isn't going to survive because of the way that I'm looking after him because of taking antibiotics for the mastitis, because I cover myself when I'm at the front door with, and he's breastfeeding, I don't have my boobs hanging out, that kind of thing, just preferences that I have. But he's a thriving nearly nine-year-old, so no concerns there. But by the May, I was in this big black hole of postnatal depression, I had this effectively breakdown at my brother's house, and at that point I didn't know whether I wanted to stay in my marriage didn't know if I wanted to still be a mum. I didn't even know if I wanted to be on the planet. Something within me said we could keep, we could figure this out. But my inner critic was on steroids. It was so loud. Mm. I couldn't tell the difference between my inner critic and, and me. And I didn't know if I was psychologically damaged either. That was something that was playing out. So going to get a diagnosis would have been really scary for me because what would happen and how, and maybe I was out of, I was out of control. But I chose not to get a diagnosis and I chose not to get medicated and I started doing the work on myself, so the deep personal development work, and I did it softly, just listening to my intuition, being kind to myself, starting to notice the difference in that voice, doing exercise, eating, those sorts of things. But from a relationship perspective, I projected a lot of things onto Chris, like, why did we even have a child? Mm. Who who made that decision? Mm. Well, let's hands up. I made that decision. <laughs> like, but if if you hadn't have said yes, yeah, right. maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> like, hello, if you hadn't have said yes, we would be having a different argument, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all that sort of fighting and just, you know, it's always the little things, right, that you really pick up on or you haven't done this and you should be doing this for me and you should be helping me do this and and I can't figure this out and when really it had nothing to do with him per se he was always there he was always going to support me no matter what mm-hmm. but I was beating up on him because that feels better right than beating up on yourself yes technically speaking well as you say you've got to blame somebody right, right? but maybe you you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you don't even have to blame yourself. Right. You just have to go, this doesn't feel good. How can we make this change? What do I want it to feel like? Yes. And how can I get there? Yes. So I started to unpack, as I said before, and do the work on myself, which helped, right? But that mean, meant I was changing again. And that then impacted the relationship to the point that Chris said to me one day, I just feel like you're going to leave. Like I won't be growing enough and you're going to leave. Chris has never done the work on himself. He's done the work through me. So by me growing, he has just had this opportunity to change and grow. And there's a really beautiful example that we, one of my bonus sons got married this year and Chris did the speech and I had read the speech because he gets me to read read those sorts of things. Um, but then he had made some changes to the speech afterwards and I hadn't read it again. But he gets up there and he says to his son, um, thank you for choosing me to be your dad. Now, that would never have come out of his mouth if it hadn't come through me, but that's an example of just me doing the work, talking how I talk to Teddy about Teddy, that he chose us as parents and how grateful we are for that and that 
that's something that's resonated with Chris and he has taken oh. brought that into his life as well. Oh my gosh. I want to cry, but I'm not going to. That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, the whole crowd, like there was over a hundred people there, and every woman in that room just went, Oh, like <laughs> for sure. I I think I want to hit on some things, but I'm wondering if you want to keep going with your flow or if... Let me finish with one other P. I'll bring this in and then you come with all your questions. Go for it. Um, One of the things that happened is that I... So when Teddy was childcare, Chris would go to work early. I would drop Teddy to childcare and then... Um, Chris would pick Teddy up. He would do all the home cooking, taught out dinner, all of that sort of stuff, and I'd arrive home about 6 o'clock. We'd sit down for dinner. Teddy had probably often been fed by that stage. And But fast forward into the weekends, what happened was Chris would get, we would get to dinner, which Chris had been preparing every night for the week, but he would say to me, how do I do this? What do you think I should give Teddy for dinner? How many of these do you think? How should I cook that? Like, and I was just like, he's a 50-plus-year-old man who can't make a decision because I'm in the house. And this bit broke my heart. And I went, I've done this to him mm-hmm. through my challenges and my second-guessing of him and my projecting and my throwing shit at him. Mm-hmm. I have created this. Mm-hmm. And how, how do I unpack that? How do I change that? Like that like I said, just broke my heart that we had gotten to that position that he didn't trust in himself and he was probably worried about what I would say because I had been throwing stuff at him um, previous to this. And the way that I moved through that, this, I think is really important, was just to ask him, what do you think? Rather than telling him, I started to empower him and started to help him grow just like I'd started to help myself grow. And our relationship over, particularly over the last two years, I will say, but over the last four at least, has exponentially grown. And it is so amazing. And I just, it's kind of like, I don't know where we're going, but I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to be in the room and I'm excited to be in the space with him and to see what our next thing is because it's just gotten better Mm. as the years go on. Mm. Mm. I love hearing that. The first thing that I loved that you said is you were working on yourself and that he started to be afraid of whether you were going to outgrow him and leave and that he was afraid of your growth. And I think that that is such a common reaction or experience that because let's just say women, I most I work mostly with women, but if the woman is doing the work on herself, she is changing. She is becoming more empowered and it she's untangling right? Doing the work of untangling the relationship. And there is that fear in, and it could be in both people that, you know, I am not the person that he married 
he might not like me and the fear in him that they, that he might be losing some of his grip or control. I don't, and I don't know if that was the case with you, but just that you're going to outgrow him. Did you actually have conversation about that? The only time that I recall is that time where he just said to me, I'm afraid you're going to leave. Mm. And we were in bed at night time. So it was like sleep time for me, snooze time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, of course these things come up. You know, right. really important stuff comes up right now. And I think in the moment what would have happened was I would have just cuddled him and just, you know, gone to sleep wrapped up in him, which is exactly how we sleep. Mm. So and sort of said to him, I have no plans of leaving. One of the examples that I have in my life is my parents' marriage, of course, Mm -hmm. and my mum always, not always, but talks about it from a perspective that divorce was never on the cards for them. Mm -hmm. Like it never even came into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I've always known that Chris and I are together forever. There is obviously I had that, you know, postnatal depression, Mm -hmm. not sure, all of that sort of stuff. But aside from that, He's always been an expander for me in my life. He supports me in everything that I do Mm. and he doesn't take it away from me. So he doesn't take it, whatever I achieve is my achievement, is our achievement, but he doesn't go, look what I've created, Mm. look what I've created space so that Suze can go and do whatever she's doing. Mm. He, He never takes it away from me. So he always celebrates me and I think that, that fear is is legitimate. I'm not saying it's not, but it's also a choice. And the choice that I made was to believe that we could do this together. And again, it's probably something that I had within me and an example of, of that, you know, in my past. A funny example actually was I used to go to this private gym 20 years ago and I would be on the exercise bike, you know, sweating it out. And behind me are two older ladies, they would have been in their 50s or 60s, and they're sitting there and they've had their light exercise, perfect for them, and they're having their breakfast and they're watching me work out and I get off the bike and they just look at me and go, God, that was a great session. We worked so hard. <laughs> and they got the benefit of me doing that right, work. Right, And that's exactly what our partners have the opportunity to, to do. They don't have to change They don't have to make any changes at all. Mm -hmm. They can just be them and you can continue to do the work. Exactly. And that's enough. Exactly. Yes. And that's the whole premise of my program, right? Yeah. Yeah. Changing your marriage without changing your partner. But magically what does happen, not all the time, depends upon the dynamics going on in the relationship, but it is just when you show up, from a healthy place, a healthy place of love and respect for yourself. And you're not blaming your partner like you were doing and looking outside of yourself for validation. It gives them the freedom to not defend or not to show up in a reactive way. You're not throwing that trigger out for them to, to get switched. So, yeah, I love that. And then something else that came to my mind just now was when you were postpartum 
and you didn't know whether you were going to be staying or even if you wanted to stay, you know, here on this earth. Why do you think that was? Why do you think you were experiencing that? I mean, you obviously had some of your postpartum hormone stuff going on, but what do you think was going on for you? I didn't know who I was. That was my biggest thing. I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I wanted. And, you know, like if we talk about having a child as cracking you wide open, I was cracked wide open and that was so uncomfortable for me. And I needed that framework. I needed to have it all in a box and it was no longer in a box. And I was like, oh, my God, how do I do all of this? And I had been, so that six-month period, I had been looking outside of myself for the answers. And an example of that is, well, one, my mum had five children, albeit 40 years earlier, um, and Chris had had three children. So I had these people that had, you know, big, lots of kids <laughs> that I could look to, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the answers for me. They would suggest things, but, of course, they didn't work for me, did they? And I was I wasn't looking inside. Mm -hmm. So a really great example of that is, um, and it's kind of a sad one, but it's a really good one, is that Chris was telling me to control cry that child. That was the language that I remember Mm. because Teddy wasn't sleeping um, and it was we were hour on, hour off breastfeeding. So he would breastfeed for an hour, he would sleep for an hour, and that was my 24 by 7. And there was some medical issues going on that I look back and kind of go, hmm, I didn't have enough milk supply, did I? But nobody picked up on this and I didn't pick up on it because I was right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of self-compassion has to come in there for myself. But he would say, you need to control, cry that child. And then he would give me an example of what happened with one of his children and how that worked. Anyway, so I made the decision to do it. But who ended up in tears? Well, besides Teddy crying, I was also crying and Chris was passed out of sleep. (laughs) And I went, I'm not doing this. Right. And so I went and picked up Teddy and he went to sleep and we all went to sleep. Mm. It was fine. But fast forward two days later or three days later or whatever it was, we had a friend come over and Chris says to her, she tried to cry, control cry him. Why would you do that? He's too young. And I'm like, hang on a minute. So I had all of these examples of like inconsistencies happening and I was saying it was their fault mm. when I actually... I had to come, Not it was no fault, but I had to come back to myself. And at one point I just said to Chris, I love you. And this is post the sort of six-month mark of that postnatal depression. I said, I love you, but it's time to listen to me. And when I started to listen to me, started to try things out, everything started to change. And it didn't change overnight, but it slowly started to change. And I went from a person in 2014, in the May of 2014, who hated her life. I really hated my life. I just I was beating up on myself. I couldn't believe I got myself in this situation, even though I knew that I had chosen it. I thought I was smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Like there was the that was one of the big stories that I had. How could you be so stupid? Mm-hmm. How could you have not made a smarter decision around this? To fast forward to 2020, and obviously lots has happened in that six-year period, but here we are moving because we were originally in Canberra um, and it had all unpacked through that COVID year, which I loved personally. Mm -hmm. So my apologies to anybody that didn't, Mm -hmm. but I loved it. And here I am standing in a house where we're about to move and I realised that 
I still had the same house, albeit that we were moving, same husband, same son. The only thing that had changed was me. Mm. That was the only thing. Mm. Everybody else got the opportunity to grow and evolve, and they have, but not because of brute force or me making them change in certain ways. I've just changed and they've naturally come on the journey. Yes. I'm the one that buys the groceries, so that's what they eat. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> right. Right. And, yes, they have a say in the menu, and, yes, there are things that are there for them, mm-hmm. but in the main we're eating fruit and strawberries and veggies yes. because that's what I buy. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So if I'm buying that in inverted commas with my mindset as well, if that's the language that I'm speaking, they're naturally going to get that advantage as well. Absolutely. So good. So how did you stumble across this? Because I think it's very common for us to look outside of ourselves, unless we've had some amazing parenting that really taught us that, you know, listen to your soul, look inside, trust your wisdom. We're looking to the professionals, to the experts to tell us how to raise our children or how to eat or... So how did you figure this out? Um, I think it took time and it took me like buying a book and sitting down one weekend, Chris went away and it took me a whole weekend to figure out what are the things that make me feel good. And that was food, exercise and quiet time. <laughs> they were the three things. And I got to the end of the weekend, Chris arrives home and I go, look what I've done. I was so proud of myself. I figured these three things out. And, you know, like you look back and you're going to go, it took you a whole weekend to figure that out. <laughs> Chris is probably thinking I could have told you that in two minutes, but that's okay. That's what you've done. That's okay. So it was more about following my intuition. So perhaps a book would come into my life and I started reading that. So 20 sort of 2016 is when I really started reading and diving into um, podcasts. And I had a phone call, funnily enough, from my sister one day who said, hey, we're going to do this 5K fun run, thought you might want to be involved. And I I laughed at her and said, oh, good luck with that. Not doing that. (laughs) And I got thinking, I went, oh, you know what, I probably could do that. Why am I saying no? And so 20, I think it was 2016, became like my year of yes. Mm. Let's just say yes to things. Maybe it was 2017, but let's just say yes to things. And it came off the back of that phone call. And so with the running thing, it's hilarious going from saying no to let's just try this. We tried it out. Um, we ended up running 5K. I did the couch to 5K to get there. We did the run on the, it was a Mother's Day thing that we had here in Australia. Um, and it was the best run. It was so easy. And then I then went, oh, maybe I can run 10K. Because back in sort of 1998, I think, I was probably the fittest that I ever was. And the, this fun run was on, this exact fun run that I was going to, could do, you know, in 2016. And I told myself, my inner critic told me I wasn't fit enough and I couldn't do it. Mm. And so when I looked at that, I went, oh, maybe I can do the 10K. And so I started running for that and then went and did that 10K fun run. And I was like, I'm really proud of myself. So it wasn't it wasn't like a straightforward line and right back at the beginning all I was looking for was to feel happy. Yeah. So the thing that I would do um, in the morning was before I had even opened my eyes, I would wake up and I would ask myself, do you feel happy? Mm-hmm. 
And perhaps for the first sort of two weeks, the answer was always no. My intuition was just, yeah, no, mm-hmm. we're not there. Mm-hmm. And then one day I got yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh. And no matter whether I got a no or a yes, I still got up and I still did my day, went about things. But I got that yes and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Mm. Okay, something's shifting. And the next day was probably a no and it was a no, a no, and then we came to back to another yes. But those yeses became more and I certainly don't ask myself that question anymore. Um, I haven't asked that question for years. But that was just a simple thing that I could do to start navigating and start just opening up to my intuition and I think that's been the biggest guide but don't get me wrong, I still look outside of myself for the answers and I get caught in things and I go, oh, shit, you're doing that again? Like, can we stop? Like, what does that look like? And what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Why do I feel like I need to look outside of myself for the answers? And in 2021, yeah, last year, I had sort of this intuitive knowing that it was time to just follow what was true for me. And I thought that year was going to be about focusing, building my business, doing all of those sorts of things. And it kind of was, but what it was was about focusing on myself. Mm -hmm. And if I could focus inwards, then everything would start to flow in a way that it's meant to flow. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like just trusting what comes in as opposed to what I think should be happening. Mm. I love that because it is, part of my journey too. I and I can even think back to even childhood and having experiences that I pushed away as like nonsense. I remember trying to meditate. So I'm 59, right? So this was a long time ago. But I remember trying to meditate. And, you know, I remember sitting like days in a row in my bedroom with my legs crossed and my hands in position, you know, like, mm. Mm. <laughs> and then life. And then now just like, what is that voice telling me? So what I loved about what you said is that you just decided to ask yourself that question every morning. And for a while it was no. And then a few yeses popped in. And then eventually you don't even ask yourself that question because you know. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not happy, you know what to do to work through that or navigate that or embrace it. And the questions to ask yourself if you are going through a, a period of whether it's grief or unhappiness and that it isn't any one thing. It's a journey. And that even when you stated that there's times when I'm looking outside of myself for the answers. And and sometimes we need to do that in the way, like that's reading books or, you know, getting mentors or teachers. But then taking that information inside of us, kind of, you know, (laughs) stirring the cauldron. And then what comes out of us is, you know, a mixture of what they have taught us and us. Mm. And so I love that um, you shared that. And I think that, you know, that we have so many patterns from our childhood and that we've done over and over. And even, you know, when you had Teddy, like looking outside of yourself for answers for the right way to raise him. And that 
we do have the answers, but our brains are sort of wired for community and to look outside of ourselves for help, which is good to some degree, right? And and so what I wanted to highlight is that there is never an end to the journey. It is a continual journey of, I just had a coaching session last week where she unveiled something that I wasn't seeing. And I saw how it was connected to my past. And, you know, this is the difference between like being in the client position versus the coach position. Um, And I don't, sometimes that's hard to imagine, but I'm like, when is this ever going to end? (laughs) Yeah. And of course I know that answer, but I want to be the full client, right? When I'm being coached. And so it is always those states of growth. I mean, I guess you could decide to be done at some point, but I don't think once you open those doors, you just keep moving forward. Yeah. And I don't think you want to stop, not because you want to keep investing in, you know, the 50 different courses and all that sort of stuff. You will naturally be changing and growing in your day-to-day life. And so whether it's a conscious decision or a subconscious decision, it's still going to happen. The difference is we're choosing where we're going and how we're going about it. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of that in everybody's life, Mm -hmm. that everybody is growing on some level. Everybody's doing the best they can. I always like to remind everybody of that. Um, No matter whether we think they are or they aren't, that's our our thoughts on that. But it's that it's that growth opportunity that we have in every single moment and we may or may not take it up. That's okay. But if we can consciously choose what we want to create in life, we can go and create it. And if we stay back, for me, back in that victim mode of how did you do this to me, how could I be so stupid, whether I'm beating up on myself or someone else, mm-hmm. that's not going to move me forward and it's not going to feel good to me. No. So... What I've learned particularly is that when I do the things that feel good to me, everything starts to change, right? I don't have to change my thoughts to create that. I just have to lean into that feeling good. And it's not about leaning into the let's go and buy that dress or drink that alcohol or whatever. They're all short-term things. Mm -hmm. They're all short-term benefits, right? That's not going to make me feel good in a month's time when I'm going to go and pay that credit card bill or the hangover that I'm going to have the next day. It's about those things that make me feel good, like you talked about meditation. And I use my sound bowl as well at the moment. And that makes me feel, oh, my gosh, so amazing mm-hmm. within myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just a simple thing that I can do on the daily to then support myself, like going and eating well or going for a walk. They're like my what one of my account, my clients talks about it, like they're the foundations. When I've got the foundations in place, then I can achieve anything. Yeah. But when those foundations become rocky and we all go through those phases, mm-hmm. that becomes a bit more of a challenge. And so having foundations in place will help with those changes that you're trying to navigate, even when they feel hard. Yes. And I think that, you know, for you, you had that period where you had to hold the mirror up to yourself and decide, okay, what direction am I going to go? And I think that 
many of us, that's our turning point. And it, it might be a continual different type of turning point. And a lot of what I hear is people are feeling comfortable with where they're at. And that's fine. It, you know, there isn't like you don't have to do anything. If you're happy with where you're at, my husband and I were having this conversation this weekend. Um, and we were talking about different types of marriages, um, open marriages. And I just said, there, there's nothing wrong with whatever anybody is doing unless they're not happy. Right. So it's not a judgment of you're doing this right or you're doing this wrong. It's how do you feel about what it is you're doing? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a, you know, falling in a big black hole of postnatal depression moment. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing like that. It could just be a feeling that you kind of go, oh, what could I play around with here to bring in more love into my relationship? What could I try today? And some of the things that I did across our relationship, like things that we were doing beforehand, so we would always say good morning, always say good night. We always make sure we sleep in the same bed so nobody's, you know, sleeping in a spare bed at any stage. Um, But we also would send uh, an email. When we were both working, we would send an email to each other in the morning Mm. saying good morning, my handsome prince, da-da-da-da-da, thank you so much for an amazing night. This, you know, yeah. look forward to catching up with you later, yeah. whatever it might look like. And he calls me my beautiful princess. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So really lovely. Yeah. And we still do that via text message. So the fact that I'm at home and he's gone off to drop Teddy to school and maybe go to work, um, we do that via text mm. message. So, and it's not necessarily every day as it was, but it's those little things that we do to appreciate each other, mm-hmm. even in the moments where you really don't want to send that message. For sure. But you send it anyway. <laughs> For sure, yes. It's just like that. You're still solid and you're still going to have conflict. Yes. Two humans living life, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. So what would you like to say to the woman who is wanting to give up on the idea that her relationship can feel good? I would just suggest that explore what is, what's coming up for you. Like why do you think that your relationship can't feel good? What are those stories? And reflect that back into yourself like I did a lot and still do a lot. Um, if I'm thinking that my relationship can't feel good, what's not feeling good within myself? And just explore it, not for an answer of we're going to finish this relationship or we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Just explore that concept on its own. And another thing I like to remind my clients is it's just information. You don't have to do anything with that information. You can just explore it, see what comes up for you, and then move forward from there. But also come back to that, what do you want to create? Like come back and be on purpose. Be conscious about this. Do you want to create an amazing relationship that feels really good to you? And if so, what does that look like? And if you're keen to keep moving forward, which if you're having this conversation, I think you are, it's that whole, what's the one thing that I can do today to help up-level my relationship? And coming back to 
some of the strategies that you can use. One in particular is serving your partner how they want to be served for 60 days. Mm. Now, this could seem overwhelming for people, mm-hmm. so just do two weeks or whatever you, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. And that doesn't mean um, being a doormat for them, right. but just getting them a coffee if that's what their thing is. Mm-hmm. Doing the dishes. Like yesterday I made sure that all the dishes were done so that when Chris got home, he didn't walk into the house and see all the dishes on the sink because it's just a bugbear for him. Mm-hmm. I don't do it all the time, mm-hmm. but yesterday I did it. Mm-hmm. So it's just those little things. And what I did, because we were not in a great space when I started this, but when I started it, he started reciprocating within about three days. Right. Like it came back to me so quickly. Right. I was just like, oh, my gosh, everybody needs to do yes. this. This is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> for but sure. But just, Yeah. Yeah, and have some self-compassion and self-love for yourself yes. as well. Yes. Like you are enough as you are. Don't beat up on yourself. It's just a change that you're going through. Yes, I love that. I love to say to to women to um, show up in your marriage as lovable, whatever lovable yeah. looks like, and making sure that you're um, you're like giving as much as you hope to get, mm. right? So like we're wanting, 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 well, Let's just turn it because if you give, you're going to get. And I'm just going to add to that. If you give to yourself, it'll come back to you as well because you're giving to yourself. You have more to give to those other people like your partner Mm -hmm. and therefore you then, it it naturally grows because I think that's where I had to start. I had to start with myself. I had to start with my own self-love and come back into what are the things that are going to light me up today and have those non-negotiables and that, there was some fl- friction in my relationship because I chose to do some of those things and I had to negotiate mm-hmm. how how that worked for the family mm-hmm. um, but find that even flow so that we could have some time. So what, what I was doing was getting up first thing in the morning and I was having like the first, what started with 20 minutes became an hour, was like my sole hour. Mm-hmm. So just 20, that hour of time for myself. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to do that every day and Chris was like, but where's our space? Mm-hmm. Where do I? Where do we have time? Mm-hmm. So we negotiated that back to five days a week, mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I would get up early and do it. Um, and on a weekend I would just do it during the day mm-hmm. depending on what was happening. But just taking that time for myself, as I said to him, made me a better person, mm-hmm. which made me a better wife for him yes. and therefore I could give more to him. And then when I was giving more to him, then it started to come back to mm-hmm. me as well. Yes, it's the way it goes. So what is your dream life, that life that you've seen yourself having lived when you leave this world? Yeah. So the word around when I was reflecting on this, the word that came to me was um, fulfilled, Mm. a life that is fulfilled. And I know to do that, I have to focus on myself first and I still get a bit of a rub inside of me when I when I think about it like that, you know, that selfish kind of thing. Mm. But I know when I focus on myself, when I know I know when I focus on what feels good to me, that then has a flow and effect to the world around me. So if I can focus on me, then serve the world from that place because then I know I'm serving from an honest place and I'm serving from an authentic place and I'm serving from a learned experience as well, Mm. then I can go out and help others. Mm. So that's kind of the essence of what I want to do. That's where I'd love to be is to know that I have helped others on their journey as well Mm. um, to become better versions of themselves as they define it. Yes. Yeah. Giving people permission to do that. Yeah. Giving women permission to 
take care of themselves first, even if it's five minutes in the morning or five minutes during a baby's nap. Yeah. So share with us a bit about what you do, how you help people and how people can help you. And of course, I will share all of your links in the show notes. So I work with people to help uh, partner with them to create their soul life exactly as they define it. So they can live more aligned, happier, um, just more abundant lives. And it starts with one thing. You cannot do everything all at once, but just starting with one thing, what is that area of your life that you want to make a shift in? Let's start making changes. And then that has a flow on effect into the other areas of your life. So I do that through one-on-one coaching. I'm also going, I'm also in the process of creating a soul life program. Mm -hmm. Um, And this has come off the back of some of of the things that I've done over the last two years. Um, In 2021, I gave up chocolate. So, and I still haven't had bars or blocks of chocolate. So that was my own personal experiment. This year, it was all about bringing more energy into my life and some of the changes that I've made in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been blogging about it um, on my website as well. So you can check out Project 22 over there if you want to read a little bit more. But what is Project 23? And that is about creating our soul life. So like doing these little projects and experiments on ourselves Mm. and actually creating community in that space. So that's coming as well. Um, But to find me, just come over to Instagram, Susan.scolan, S-C-O-L-L-E-N, or my website, susanscolan.com. Um, and you can always email me or DM me or whatever, and we'll have a chat. Yes, yes. And you're going to love her podcast episodes. There is some amazing, amazing experiences on there to listen to. So is there anything else you'd like to add to what we've talked about? I just wanted to say thank you. This has been so fabulous. And thank you for creating this space. And I'm honored that you were inspired by me. So hopefully I've met your expectations or taken you even higher. (laughs) But thank you so much, Christine. It's been amazing.